But I think that there's such this pressure to force getting work done when we're not in even in the right energy. And what I've learned and been kind of looking into a little bit more is just this concept of um, understanding when you have your best energy and also understanding when you don't have your best energies. Hey everyone, it's Kay here, host of the Wow Factor podcast. I'm here to share that although life can be complicated, wellness doesn't have to be. Tune in each week to get inspired through conversations that I have on the show and discover a holistic approach to wellness that you can incorporate into your everyday lifestyle. On today's show, I am featuring Kelsey Joy. Her name really says it all. This woman is motivating, she's innovative, and she is helping people prevent burnout, which is amazing. Kelsey is a risk-taking, socially poised, and motivating team builder. She's also an accomplished violinist and singer, having performed in front of audiences as large as 20,000 people. She has given over 200 presentations on networking skills, communication strategies, and behavioral assessments. She has a strong passion for training and development. As a corporate recruiter, she has conducted over 2,000 candidate interviews. And through her experience, she uncovered the fact that many people are disengaged at their job. Kelsey's goal is to help leaders discover ways to prevent burnout and reduce employee turnover. Welcome to the show, Kelsey. Thank you so, so much for joining me today. Now, your intro is amazing, and I just want to give the audience a little bit of background on how you and I met. So I've known Kelsey for a few years now here living in Fargo, and we met at a social entrepreneur event. And I think there was, I was doing some sort of really bad wine tasting. I was really... (laughs) And we just really bonded because it was, we had birthdays a day apart. And so we bonded over that. So welcome to the show, Kelsey. Uh, Can you um, tell the audience a little bit about more about yourself? Your bio is amazing. And I'm excited to share more about your project with the audience. Absolutely. Well, Kayla, thank you so much for sharing that story. And I know um, that was a fun night that we met. Like you said, there was a little wine involved. And I think ever since we met, it felt like we were just our energies seem to really flow together. So it's fun to be on this podcast with you. And I guess a little bit more about me. I often joke, I uh, was born in Niceville, Florida, and my middle name is Joy. So I'm a little bit predisposition to be overly energetic and positive. And I think what I've found throughout my career so far is that um, life is too short and we spend too much time at work to not enjoy what we do. And so pretty much everything that I do for my career now is focused on not only helping companies retain their talent, but um, I know primarily tonight what we wanted to talk about more is helping high achieving dynamic women really prevent burnout. So that's kind of a little recap about me. Um, And again, just really grateful to be on with you today, Kayla. Thank you, Kelsey. You know, and I, when we talked, when I saw you had started this project um, a while back, I was, it resonated with me and I'm sure many, many other women who have either, you know, started their own business or were working their way up in their career, whatever the avenue burnout is very real. And it's a sneaky, sneaky thing. 
Have you experienced a burnout? Like what's your inspiration behind your project? To what you just said about it being a sneaky thing, um, in the same way that I think a lot of people are looking for more holistic healthcare, I think that employee engagement should have a more holistic approach. And I think by the time an employee is burned out, it's too late. So for me, I know that there have been some jobs in my life. Um, The first job I was in was in uh, advertising sales. So I was going door to door and I was having a lot of fun. Quite honestly, I got a rush from making the ask and being in difficult situations. But all of a sudden, one day, um, I got probably a hundredth no in the last maybe week or month. Um, you get a lot of no's when you're in sales. And all of a sudden I just broke down and I couldn't take it anymore. And it was weird because it kind of came out of the blue and I wasn't, I, I, I didn't even realize that I was heading towards burnout. So I often say that on any given day, you are either moving towards being burned out or moving away from being burned out. And so being mindful of which direction your day and your week is taking you is incredibly crucial. Mm. You know, that is so true. You're speaking like you're kind of pulling from exactly how I feel. It's something as an employee I've felt. And, you know, oftentimes it's kind of in tandem with, you know, again, it's just like holistic health. It, it, It is an element of health. And it's very true that I think if you're heavy, if you're having some heavy moments in other aspects of your life, that can also affect your workflow in the office as well and, and, and be part of the burnout. Yeah, absolutely. I know that um, Gallup uh, research, they do a lot of surveys. They, they put out, maybe it was about a year ago or maybe now two years ago, but they said that there are four reasons why people actually leave their job or four main reasons. Um, the first one is job fit. So stretching outside of what is natural to you on a regular ongoing basis. The second one was manager relationship. So if you don't have a good relationship with who you report to, that was another thing. Um, The third one was team. So if your team doesn't jive and you don't feel like you fit in with your team. And then the fourth one was um, your culture or your environment, I like to say. Um, But again, the one thing that you just touched on that I think was missing from the research is the fifth, which is personal issues or personal challenges. It's incredible. I've done a lot of interviews with um, both men and women and have found that nine out of 10 times, the reason why someone leaves their job, yeah, it might have to do with some of the people at work or challenges at work, but there's always a personal element going on in that person's life as well. Mm. Oh, that's very, very true. I, I mean, I could see that in my responses and to different work things while I'm going through, um, say a move or a hardship Mm -hmm. at home or whatever it may be. It's, I like to, I like to share this story. I think it's a great time to kind of add this little scenario in look, like take like your mind, who you are, your being as like a pie, you're a pie chart. Just think Mm -hmm. of like trivial pursuit. You remember the old game we play Mm -hmm. at like holiday parties, Mm -hmm. trivial pursuit pie chart and every piece of pie is an element of your life. And when those pieces of pie are taken up, there's no more brain space, Mm -hmm. there's no more brain space. So when that, all those pieces are gone and there's no, nothing left to, to sustain yourself, it's like 
burnout, it can be, can just slip right in there because you're vulnerable. And where are you most vulnerable when you're at work? Because you're there most of, most of your day. Yeah. Well, and what you just said reminded me, I know I heard um, someone that I was in conversation with recently, we were talking about um, the importance of taking time for yourself. And I know sometimes in this day and age, like work-life balance or self-care can tend to get a little bit of an eye roll. Um, But what was interesting was that she said, taking time for yourself is one of the most loving things you can do for other people in your life. Because if you take time for yourself, you're going to be able to bring your best energy to those around you, whether it's coworkers or family members. And that just really has stuck with me. Mm, That's beautiful. That's such a great quote because and it's something we can think of all the time. And it's just so true. It's just so true. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I, yeah, it's, it's just kind of like, even now, just as I'm talking to you through this, I'm thinking about all the times I could have maybe looked at things differently or given myself some self care and trajectory would have went completely differently, which is, and, and can you kind of explain, cause I, you, you know, you talked about the eye roll of self care. Like when you hear the word self care, mm-hmm. can you explain self care for like, versus like, and then like, there's, there's a place for all types of self care, but Can you explain a few different types of, of what it means to be self-caring? Yeah, I think, um, what I would love to focus in on is rest. Um, just thinking about what rest means. And there's a book called burnout, which you might've heard of Kayla. Um, it's by Emily and Amelia Nagoski, I believe is how you say the last name, but it's, the book is called burnout. So if you Google burnout, you should be able to find it. Um, but they talk about how, in every 24 hour cycle, you should have 10 hours of rest minimum. So if you think about 10 hours of rest, maybe seven or eight of those is actually sleeping. Um, But what are you gonna fill your other two hours of rest with? And so rest can be different for different people. So for me today, rest might be actually eating my food and not trying to work while I eat it. Um, rest could also maybe be working out, which sounds counterintuitive, but if that gives me kind of that self-care that I need, rest could also be like movement or going for a walk, or maybe for people like us who are a little bit more social, I mean, self-care or kind of taking that time for yourself and resting might be hopping on a podcast with a friend and catching up and talking about an amazing topic. I know, I think different people need different types of self-care, but it's important to recognize that it might not always be taking a bubble bath. Um, it might be really just what you need in that moment and recognizing that if you're not giving yourself enough rest or any of those self-care items within 24 hours, that's when you're going to start to burn out is if you're not pausing. And then before I forget this thought, um, the other thing that I read in that book was that your brain, when you are maybe just folding laundry or taking time away from work or doing just something else, your brain is actually processing the work that you've done that week or that day. And that's actually just in the same way that when you sleep, it allows your brain to kind of process everything. Um, Your brain also processes your work um, most when you're resting. Mm. Oh, that's so true. It's like, 
you're, and you're so right. Like even there's, there's so many things that determine what rest looks like, especially for a woman. It could mean, you know, what week you're, what week are you in, in your cycle that might determine whether you want to be at home or go out for that social with another girlfriend and just kind of laugh or, or, or Mm -hmm. however you self-care. So, you know, I really appreciate that, you know, that it's that you talked about, you know, it's not just like a one size fits all. It's not always a bubble bath. It's not always a spa day. Sometimes it is. Say you have Mm -hmm. a big win. It might be a spa day or or something else that really fills your cup. But a lot of times, like even tonight, I went on an, I took a day off from the gym. I went on a long walk with my husband before popping on this call. Now I have this call and then I'm catching up with a girlfriend after. So like that right now, that's my rest. That makes so much sense, Kelsey. (laughs) Yes. Well, and the other thing too, that you just sparked is I think it's important to lean into your energy and, um, give yourself grace when you don't have the energy. So, um, I think that there's, there's this stigma in our world that, you know, I think they say, um, like Olympic athletes. I think there's a saying out there, well, Michael Phelps, he, he got into the pool, even on the days when he didn't want to swim. And that's great. And it's important to like push through sometimes, but I think that there's such this pressure to force getting work done when we're not in, even in the right energy. And what I've learned and been kind of looking into a little bit more is just this concept of um, understanding when you have your best energy and also understanding when you don't have your best energy. So for me, for example, Mondays and Fridays, um, I like, I don't have as much brain power Monday. It's I'm easing into the week. Um, and Friday I'm kind of checked out for the week. And so my best brain power is on like Tuesday and Wednesday mornings for example. And so kind of paying attention throughout your week to when you have your best energy will also help you get a lot more done, but also not feel as much pressure to get the hard things done at times when you just don't have that energy. Mm, That makes so much sense. It's like that self-awareness component can, when it comes to taking rests and burnout, can really be a good litmus test for having to like shift gears or, you know, whether it be, if you're able like, Oh, today might be a good way to day to take a work from home day, or Mm -hmm. maybe Mondays and Fridays, not schedule those meetings or keep them to Tuesday, Wednesdays. Like there's these little tips and tricks are just like really simple ways that we can make our lives so much better and create healthy habits that are going to last. Mm-hmm. So I really appreciate that. Um, so for you, okay. Kind of bringing it back to the burnout component of things. Do you have any telltale signs, um, that you are mindful of in yourself that when you're kind of like when burnout's kind of creeping up or it's the start of, okay, I need to make a shift. Do you have any like good advice on, um, on how to cue into those moments? Yeah. Well, I think there's the, um, there's the, there are the more obvious ones. Like you're constantly watching the clock. Um, what used to give you joy, isn't giving you joy anymore. Um, you are maybe drinking more, watching more TV or just some of those things that, um, 
kind of are a sign that you're becoming disengaged or maybe you're constantly looking forward to Friday and you don't even enjoy parts of your week anymore. But what I think would be probably the most valuable to talk about is um, for me, I can notice it in my emotions when I'm under stress. So like stress, um, what happens is there's this gap between um, what we feel we should have accomplished and what we've actually accomplished. And when that gap gets to be too big, we shut down and we almost are like paralyzed by it. And I think that feeling of um, like physical, mental, and emotional exhaustion to the point of not being able to take action um, oftentimes derives from stress and from that gap being too big. So the biggest solution that I have found to closing the gap is constantly redefining winning. Like for example, if I have an event this week and my goal was 60 attendees and I only have 20 people signed up and it's Monday and I'm having all this excruciating anxiety and stress over it. I pause and I think what's the worst that could happen what was my reasoning for needing X amount of attendees? And will I still feel okay if I get this many attendees instead of this many? And so sometimes the stress will just stick around, but other times if you can pause and reflect and redefine winning, um, I think that will help alleviate some of that burnout and be, again, that's to answer your question, you know, the tangible sign of, of burnout approaching is when you have prolonged stress due to your own unrealistic expectations. And that is, oh, amen, you speak so much. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, and especially for people who are achievers, women, women, and we, Mm -hmm. we will like go to the nth degree. And sometimes we, it's so important to look up and see, okay, what am I expecting of myself right now? And how can I grant myself a bit of grace and find mm-hmm. success, even if it is, like you said, a smaller number or say you're on a weight loss journey. If you, if you, if the scale doesn't drop as much that week or however you're looking at it or, or gaining, if you're trying to run a marathon, how fast your mile is going. Like we tend to, you know, certain personalities tend to push themselves to a level, which is, it's always really good to push ourselves, but again, having that grace and then knowing that, you know, I'm human. That's okay. (laughs) That's really great. Kelsey. Well, and what you just said to reminded me of something a friend just said to me earlier today, which was, you know, if I'm trying to lose weight and I have a bad day, um, basically if I don't do it perfectly, I'm going to quit. Like if it's not perfect, then I feel like I need to just quit. And I think that that happens for a lot of us. Like for me, I just got through doing a six week program and there were so many pieces that weren't perfect. And, you know, out of all the women, you know, a small percentage had some maybe more negative feedback, but the majority had positive feedback, but still to me, because it wasn't perfect, I've found myself fixating on the things that weren't perfect instead of celebrating the things that were. And even that self-confidence, the more that I study burnout prevention and everything, um, like your self-confidence 
plays such a role in your ability to even like push through those times when you're not feeling so good about your job is usually because of a lack of self-confidence. You know, that is so true. There's, there's a few great points that you mentioned, you know, the perfection paralysis (laughs) being one, I, you know, I've learned, I've studied that I've, you know, tuned into some really great podcasts about that. And I suffered from that as well. And um, I also recently, I was um, working towards a goal and then I got some feedback on this goal. And we also have to remember how our mind is hearing feedback. Mm. Are we hearing it with our own inner critic or are we hearing it with probably the grace that whoever wrote the email or gave the feedback is giving us? It's more than likely in a helpful tone and we take it and we twist it because we're reading the words on an email or on, you know, on black and white rather than, you know, hearing a voice or we're so we fixate. And that's what I did. And now since then, and I even told myself, this is great feedback. And what this person's saying is very true. And I know what I did in this presentation. There's nothing in my brain, everything registers. This is right. She was right. I'm thankful, but I still find myself falling into wanting to give up or, or take a pause. Now, do you have any remedies? Like how do you work Mm. through and navigate those feelings and come through ahead? Oh, it's so hard. Um, so there's a couple things that I heard there. Um, One of the things that I learned from a guy who was all about mindset talked about how when you're young, um, you don't hear the like the negative words. So like if your parent says, do not run into the street, you hear do run into the street like you don't hear the not when you're young, like your brain just filters out the the nose. But as you get older, it's interesting because I feel like we start to really fixate on the negative and it's almost like, a. Um, I think I've heard it, it, like it takes 16 compliments or some, some bigger number to make up for one negative thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one of the things that I've done and I have the benefit and blessing of being able to do so is when I do a speaking engagement If I ask for feedback, which I don't always ask for feedback, but if I ask for feedback, I have someone else read it. That's smart. Because that other person can filter through what I truly need to see or know. But if there's again, so I might give a presentation to a hundred people and out of the hundred, one might say something negative. And because of that one in my mind, I'm going to think I need to change my entire presentation. So I wanted to touch on that first, because I think um, it's really common where one negative thing will just throw us completely off. And it takes a lot of the positive to really make up for it. And so what I've tried to do, and this is again, also another tip from that burnout book, but um, they talk a lot about your crazy woman in the attic. So that's what they name the inner, your inner critic. So they actually say that it's really important to give her a name. And when she starts acting up, um, you need to tell her 
like to stop. And so actually identifying that voice in your head that is wrong and telling that voice in your head that, hey, you're wrong. That is not true. That thought that you just had. And Kayla, I would even go as far as to challenge that sometimes you might get feedback that you take really to heart. But at the end of the day, you need to decide in your heart what you think is true and what you don't think is true. Mm-hmm. Because I get a, t- I, you're probably the same way. I get tons of people throwing ideas at me. You should do this. You shouldn't do this. Um, people should and shouldn't all over me all the time. And so <laughs> I have to like completely filter out. Like I, that is valid. I agree with that. You know what? I don't agree with that. Um, I kind of went off on a tangent there. You got me all passionate and fired up now. Um, <laughs> this is about lady. <laughs> Truly, it's like we we want feedback as humans, right? I, I was in a presentation once and the guy said, hey, raise your hand if you want to know where you stand. Um, but then he said, okay, raise your hand if you like giving feedback. And no one likes giving feedback because you're afraid of, um, you know, what that might do to the person. And so I do think that there's probably another completely separate valuable discussion to be had around how to really give and take feedback because man, it can crush a person if the feedback isn't approached in the right way. Oh, that is so true. That kind of like reminds me too. And like kind of switching gears to be on the Mm -hmm. other side, um, giving the feedback. I've learned that, you know, I have to be really mindful of when presenting a some feedback or, or putting an idea out there to someone for a specific reason to really think about how I'm wording something, because no matter what, our brains are all different and we're all going to just naturally interpret things maybe slightly differently. And Mm -hmm. I have to think, I have to be really mindful, like where's the level of, um, transparency in terms of like, can I be really bold with this person or should I ease into this conversation? Mm -hmm. And depending on the person, you know, especially really understanding the person you're speaking to, if it's a close friend, you can be a little more like, Hey, yeah, what are you doing? What's going on here? Why is this happening? But with someone you're like, just acquaintance, a new client or someone that you're just getting acquaintance with, it's like, okay, I need to like be really mindful of where, how I'm communicating and just have grace in my heart when communicating mm-hmm. with them. So have you run into any of that it's through your burnout? Like, cause I know you work with a lot of yeah. people. How do you approach something like that? Well, you just made me remember, um, we talked a lot in our sessions about when your idea gets shot down. And that's a little bit correlated with getting feedback um, and how hard it is. And, you know, I think leaders need to um, approach their team members or, you know, coworkers need to approach one another with this um, open-ended way of um, approaching feedback by maybe starting off with, are you open to some feedback? By simply asking, are you open to some feedback? It gives the situation time for a quick pause and for that person to say, you know what? Yes, I'm, I'm open to some feedback. 
um, you give that person the choice to receive and, and usually they're not going to say no, but I think that's a really good question to start with. Um, the other thing that you made a really good point about is just like, um, again, how the emotion can get involved. And I think separating the, the task from the person, like dehumanizing the situation, which sounds maybe opposite of what <laughs> you would think you need to do, but like separating like the person and making sure that you are approaching it from the standpoint of like just the logical task, because otherwise it can be taken as an attack on the person instead of just a critique of the, the tangible work and what could be done better. So it's, it's a really hard thing, but I think every time, you know, for example, if I get a negative email as feedback, um, that sometimes can be hard for me because I think that they're attacking me. But then if I just pause and maybe give it some time and then come back to it and say, this isn't me, this is um, the content or the topic. This has nothing, this is not directed at me. Mm. Mm, that's a really good way to look at it. And um, it kind of reminds me too, of like, when I'm receiving feedback, sometimes I have to take a pause there too, receive mm -hmm. the feedback. Sometimes it, sometimes it stings a little, sometimes it catches you off guard, but there's always, you always have a choice in your reaction and your response. And I truly believe, and since I adopted kind of this phrase into my one of my mantras is there's power in silence and by giving yourself, cause I'm, I'm a very, like, I'm going to respond right away. I'm excited. I've, I've got, I've got so much to say, high energy extroverts, but I found a lot of beauty and a lot of power comes when I just zip and just digest, breathe, even say, Hey, can I take a minute to, or can I, can I, can we circle back in an hour and I can respond on this better or, um, Oh, here's even, I had to have a really serious conversation and I had to have it very quickly. There was not a lot of time to prepare. We're talking a couple of minutes and it was a very strong topic. And it was, um, with somebody who is above me in the workplace. And I even said during the conversation, I'm, I might need to take a moment to pause here. I'm trying to gather my words and say this right. And it was, it's very respected. I think to be, mm -hmm. to be open and transparent when those conversations arise and the power in, in that you have in just taking a pause moment of silence. It's amazing because it lets your, it lets those emotions, it lets the epinephrine get out of your system. It, it lets your heart rate come down. It lets your mind get out of fight or flight and you can start to formulate proper words and a proper response in a, in a better mindset. So mm. <laughs> I love that there is so much power in the pause and there's so much power too. You mentioned transparent, um, communication. I know we've been talking a lot about feedback, but one of the things that I think is really important is a lot of people think if I tell my boss or if I tell a coworker that I'm feeling burned out, I'm going to get fired <laughs> or I'm going to get canned or something bad is going to happen. Um, but again, just around the topic of preventing burnout, I, I always encourage people, if you're feeling like you're, 
getting burned out in your job, the best thing you can do is to have a transparent conversation with someone on your team, usually a manager around how can I maybe approach my tasks differently or take on a new stretch project or, you know, what can I do a little bit differently? Cause I'm feeling a little burned out, but I, you know, I want to try to continue to grow here. And so just, I think if, if individuals in the workplace can not only be willing to have those conversations with their leaders right away and have that transparent communication, but also vice versa, I think leaders need to be very, very mindful and in tune with, hey, who on my team is seeming to be a little distant? Um, and instead of separating and kind of disengaging with that person, that's a really good time to lean in and talk about career path and, and all of that. But transparency um, is so important. Oh, very much. I've noticed I get better responses in everything from the workplace to my marriage, mm-hmm. to friendships, when there's a good, healthy transparency there um, in, in, in sharing on feelings or if you're feeling a certain way, good or bad, you know, to be mm-hmm. you know, both, both ways. And yes, um, I like that. You have to have the positive spin too. It's important to share when things are going really well and celebrate that. Oh, it's so great. Just even the little wins, like sending a, a, a nice message on, on Slack or, or getting yeah. a little card for someone, you know, it can really be again, those simple, small things that are, are, can be deal breakers sometimes or deal makers, you know, they can help an employee, you know, help with retention. It can help with self-worth employee worth, even like the, the manager's worth there. The thing is we're all human and we all have, we all have a level of needs and we all want to be loved and we all want to know that we're doing all right. And Mm kind of going back to that basic human necessities can really be a good baseline for um, communication in the workplace as well as burnout, I feel. Yeah. Well, and one of the things, so I, you know, I, I think when I met you, I was a recruiter. And one of the things that I talk about in a recruiting talk I've done is you should always be recruiting your employees. Oftentimes leaders think that once they have an employee on board, that they're, they're good to go. But I think in the same way, you don't ever want to start, stop dating your spouse. You know, you always should date your spouse. You kind of always have to be recruiting your, your current employees. Um, and so I think a lot of that has to do with engagement and preventing burnout is continuing to think, how am I engaging? How am I retaining my team members and, um, not forgetting to make it fun and interesting and exciting and engaging. Yeah. That's a really good way to look at it. It's, it's, you know, it's just that continued, it's just like any relationship to continue it, to grow it, to be present with it, to, to work with your employees, to work with your higher ups. Um, mm-hmm. and just, yeah, I really love that Kelsey. This is, this is, oh, been, <laughs> this has been so enlightening and I feel like it just aligns so, so much because when you think about burnout, it's not just about the workplace burnout, this stems into, there's a ripple effect. It, mm. Oh, it goes into all elements of your life because everything's interconnected. And yeah. how do you feel? Do you, do you have any, like when you talk to someone about the word burnout, do you hear any misconceptions? And like, how do you deal with like misconceptions and 
reality of burnout in terms of like holistically? I don't know. That's a weird question, but <laughs> uh, no, I, I get what you are saying. Well, first and foremost, I think what I'm doing is hard because I'm taking what has, what used to be a destination and I'm, I'm making it into a continuum where it like, like instead of burnout being this like finite thing that ends up happening, I'm saying that this is something that, you know, today you might feel a little burned out, whereas tomorrow you might feel more in, engaged and energized and just having it be more this like free flowing thing that we need to prevent um, and be on this constant pursuit of preventing. That's, that's really what I'm trying to do is normalize burnout and make it something that we're always a little bit more in tune with. Um, I guess the misconception that I've seen the most would again, lead us into maybe a full other discussion, but just very high level. Um, there's a generational misconception, mm. meaning um, I, I find that this topic might not always resonate with your baby boomer generation because they are of that mindset that I talked about earlier, where it's like, you show up at work, you get the job done. It doesn't matter how you're feeling that day. You just do, 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 do. And you're like pushing hard all the time. Whereas, you know, the younger generations and the generations that are coming up through our workforce, they want more of that balance and they, they want to build a life they love, um, doing a job they love. And it's so much more about this well-rounded life than it is about going to work so you can pay the bills and support your family. So I've even had, you know, as far as some, some people in just in that older age demographic say burnout, isn't a thing like that. I don't even get what you're talking about. And I just had to laugh. That was maybe one of those negative, <laughs> negative pieces of feedback. And I'm not trying to be, I guess it would, you know, the word would be ageist, right? Like I'm sure that there are people in all different age groups that maybe don't fully feel like it's a topic worth covering. But to me, I really feel like that misconception often happens when there is a differing of opinions of work um, in the workplace. And typically it's a generational gap. That does make a lot of sense. Um, that And that's like, it kind of goes along with just like the times people were in, you know, or are in and how we have access to much more mm-hmm. um, knowledge or we have, we just have more access to things that, you know, back a couple generations ago or a generation ago, those things weren't as accessible for people as a whole. And now it's like, look, we can put together a podcast that has a lot of valid information that anybody can access at any time if they want. And that is a, it, it is a huge thing. And we're going to see it too, as we grow older mm-hmm. and the generations that are coming up to stay, um, to stay fluid and stay like, okay, this is a different generation. And you, you see a lot, you see the media putting a lot of clashing out between generations. Mm-hmm. It's kind of exit on even, um, mm-hmm. how we part our hair and what kind of jeans <laughs> we wear. <laughs> Yeah. Isn't, didn't I hear, I think, I think my hair part is going out of style. I think the center part, right? The center. I know. And I did adapt. I'm trying it. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking about it. I don't, I don't know. I'm trying to think how that would look, but we'll see. (laughs) Well, I'm the same. I miss, I like my side part too, but it's like, you know, kind of that going back, that's like a very minor (laughs) thing, but it affected the whole, it can affect like how we think about things or how we perceive someone next to us or, or, you know, perceive 
someone younger or older than us as kind of that division of the, the ages. Um, so that's a very real thing, especially, yep. you know, with what the boomers went through and, and the gen, gen Xers, gen, I think my brother and yeah. sister, gen Xers, they're like what 50 to like, they're the in between. Yeah. It's like a 40 something, I think. And then millennials, right. Or, or I don't even know. I need to do more studying, but yeah, the new generation is Gen Z that we've got to worry about. Um, but one of the things that you sparked that I was just going to touch on is like you said, we're hyper-connected. And I think, um, I always love to share that the word priority used to only have a singular form up until about the 1400s. And then they gave it a plural form and turned it into priorities. Um, and so what you'll notice is as life continues to go on and evolve, um, the pressure to get more done in less time and have more than one priority at a time is only gonna get stronger, I believe, based on technology and all the advances that we have in that area. So I think you're speaking directly to, to burnout and, um, what that can be caused by when you're, you're talking about all these resources and connectedness, even that like overstimulation and constantly doing and on our phones and technology, like that can really have an impact as well. Oh, completely. That's a really good point. You know, a really good way to think about it. And, you know, I, I have this, I've had this conversation, this kind of like circling around this topic for, for a while. And I'd love to get your opinion on how do you feel? Do you think we're going to reach a peak or do you, how do you feel about how much information do you think we're going to be able to take on? This is a, this is a big philosophical, philosophical yeah. question. We got to get one of them on here. Right. <laughs> but how do you yeah. feel about that end of things? Well, it feels like we are slowly starting to pick up the slack uh, with artificial intelligence, like we're getting to this point where we can only absorb and get so much done that we are now enlisting more artificial intelligence and more automation. And um, so I'm an external processor. And as I'm talking about it out loud, I'm thinking, you know, we could have a little bit of a regression. I don't know if it'll ever like scale back, but there might be a peak at which uh, developers and all the different tools that we have access to allow us to maybe stop, but I don't know if it'll ever go back. I, I, I don't know if I answered that. It was a big, best, but. it was a big question. It was kind of one of yeah. those, I like, it was a Joe Rogan question, yeah. <laughs> very Joe Rogan, but you know, it's very true. And it's kind of like, as you know, as I've been thinking about it too lately is like the overwhelm the burnout is, is that kind of getting back to that simplify where we can, so we can mm -hmm. take on and grow where we need to. And, and by simplifying in terms of timers on our phones, um, really picking and choosing what kind of, um, conversations we want to engage in. Are we in a in, informative, positive conversation, or is it something that we've circled around the bush with say a specific friend who it's negative, negative, negative. Like how much do we really want to take on? So I think it's like that picking and choosing where we can to allow our brain space, again, the pie chart to kind of be able to, like, if we can 
take back and claim back a couple pie charts here and there or a couple pie pieces mm-hmm. to allow for like a more demands in the workplace or or things like that so I think just being like yeah. good managers of our time well and you look at it typically what happens in the workplace is you get into a company entry level and you work your way up and the more you work your way up the more stressful it gets the more um, priorities you have and the more responsibility you have now you are hopefully making more money But what happens is when you're at this peak of your career where you have all these things that you're responsible for and doing and you've worked your way up, you're typically at the most overwhelming time in your life where maybe you're getting married or having a family or adding onto your own personal priorities as well. Um, You know, financial priorities only grow and grow over time as well. So it's, it's interesting that life for most people has been designed in this way where like the more stressful work gets, the more stressful home gets. Like it should really be the opposite way, right? Like maybe you should start at the top. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's a good idea. Work your way down, like slowly ease back <laughs> as you, your personal idea. life gets more stressful. But anyways, that's, again a whole nother topic but I love it I know I'll have to have you back on the show for some recurring episodes yes <laughs> yes let's do this again <laughs> for sure it's it's so great and you know kind of we're we're kind of coming up wrapping up a little bit on time is there anything that you'd like to share um, any topics that you want to cover yeah I would just re-emphasize the importance of self-awareness. I think a lot of what we've talked about throughout this entire podcast is just being more in tune, both with your, your body and your mind and your emotions, because the more you can be in tune with that, I mean, don't, don't wait until you start feeling sick or get a cold to tell yourself, okay, I'm burned out and it's time for me to like be done. Um, you know, get ahead of that and be more proactive in what you're doing in order to achieve more success. So just that self-awareness, I think is so important. Mm, I love that, Kelsey. That is so true. The self-awareness and then, you know, that, that that's like that first step to taking action, preventing burnout and all of those things. And I appreciate this conversation so much. I've learned a ton. It's been so great to reconnect with you. And I'm sure our audience really wants to learn more about getting involved. How can they find you? How can they get involved with the Burnout Prevention Project? Yes. So you can follow us on social media. Um, The Burnout Prevention Project, we have an Instagram and a Facebook and LinkedIn account. So social media is great. Um, The other thing I would say is we're trying to be much more active in our email list as well. So if anyone, you know, direct messages me on um, any of those social media platforms and wants to be on our email list, we send out a weekly blog or like a weekly email with some tips. Um, A lot of the stuff we talked about today. And so we'd love to keep you informed in that way. And then of course, if you're on our email list, we do occasionally um, send info about other ways to get involved with us as well. Wonderful. Thank you, Kelsey. Well, when this podcast airs too, I'd love for you to send it out in your, um, in your yes. newsletter. Cause I do let's do that. Excited. Um, so I'll definitely do, do all of that. And I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much, Kelsey, for taking this hour to talk with us and share how to prevent burnout with our audience. Thank you guys for tuning into the wow factor and we will see you next week. 
Thank you all so much for tuning in to today's episode. Wow, I am inspired. Please know that the topics discussed on the show are for educational purposes only. If you are looking for more tips, tricks, and inspiration to wellness, check us out on BeWellWithWow.com. That's BeWellWithWow, W-O-W.com. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.